Welcome back to the Phenom Media Podcast. My name is Colin Evans, founder and editor of Phenom Media, alongside the team chaplain of the Los Angeles Lakers and the chief inspirational officer of the NBA, Romel Weatherspoon. What's up, man? I'm chilling, Cole. How you feeling, man? Good to see you. Good to speak to you again, as always. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've talked. We'll get into that in a minute. But I really want to just, before we start, thank you for taking the time to do this interview. It's going to be an awesome interview. You're going to give a ton of insight that you really can't get from anywhere else. So tons of original content coming your way right here. So, again, thank you so much for sitting, sitting down across the country, taking some time to talk and inspire everyone else listening to this podcast. Man, my absolute pleasure, Cole. You know I'll do anything for you, bro. It's a no-brainer. All right. So for those questioning how I even know Romel, he was my basketball coach back in New York for a season in 2017 until in March he was hired by the great Magic Johnson and the Lakers as their chaplain, as I mentioned before. So to give an audience a bit of background, can you briefly elaborate on your journey from your high school days to where you are right now? Sure. Well, born and raised in Seattle, Washington, when I was in high school, we were number one in the nation, uh, basketball. Um, we had nine of our guys go division one, six of which were pros, uh, one being Nate Robinson, Terrence Williams, Logic and Roger Stewart, Jamal Crawford. Uh, we had a lot of talent that came through our school. So I knew all about having to be the underdog, but yet working hard to get to where I needed to get to. And um, I knew I had a gift to coach, you know, even while I was playing in high school and in college. And so when I got to New York, uh, I picked up coaching and took a liking to it and, and ended up coaching some really good kids such as yourself. But along with coaching, um, that was just a byproduct of who I originally, who I really am, and that is that I'm a jack of all trades. You know, not only am I a basketball trainer and a basketball coach, but I'm an actor and I'm a writer and I'm an uh, inspirational speaker. And so I was training a kid in New York, and you know, it, it started off with basketball, but then it led into so many other things. And he was determined to tell his dad about me. So when he told his dad about this trainer who was really helping his life transition. His dad said, you know what, I live in California and I'm doing a men's conference that I would love for you to be a part of alongside Magic Johnson. And I said, well, you can absolutely count me in for that. And uh, I thought he was blowing smoke at first, but then, you know, <laughs> I actually got uh, I actually got itinerary and I got all the flight information and everything. So I flew out to California and I did this conference called, uh, it was a Super Saturday, Mentoring, Modeling, and Motivating. And I, have, I was responsible for the motivational portion for the millennials and uh, after that, Magic really took a liking to me. So seven months later, I got a phone call. And uh, he said, you know, I like the way you inspire. I need you. We have the youngest team in the league. Um, but I also realized that you were involved in church. So I can put you as a label as the chaplain, but use you in other areas, which now I do player engagement and some training even in the G League. So I, I'm just really enjoying the ride, man. Yeah, so you mentioned how you're really closely working with all these NBA players and the G League players more than any guy in, in basketball right now. So could you kind of go into some more detail on your role with the Lakers in the NBA, as in what do you do, and what goes from you to the Lakers and the players in terms of inspiration and insight from a professional like you? Sure. Well, I, I consider myself like the water boy because on game <laughs> days, uh, it's not mandatory. It's by choice. And so if they're thirsty, I'm there to offer them that inspiration. And if they're not thirsty, it doesn't mean that the water's not there. So sometimes just being available um, is enough for them. And before you know it, they come and knock on my door. A lot of it is relationship-based. It's more so, believe it or not, outside of the Lakers, where a lot of my success I've found 
because both the home and the road team seen him before games. So I have the the privilege of mentoring guys like Colin Sexton and Jerron Blossom game. And I've even had the pleasure of speaking to, you know, some of the greatest athletes in the world and mentoring such as Brandon Ingram and Quinn Cook and Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball. So I'm very fortunate. And what happens is, is I try and get these guys because what they do for a living, Cole, is they, they, they study film. Uh, so all my sessions are called the scouting report because what they do is, is they study film to determine the strengths, weaknesses, and tendencies of their opponent to give themselves what I call the competitive edge. But what if they did that on themselves? What if they were able to really scout themselves and realize where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are, what makes them tick, what makes them go hard, what makes them quit, what makes them get discouraged? And then once we find an answer to it and they start to realize what I offer them is three questions, if you will. And one is, is what do you want? The other is what's in the way of getting what you want. And the third is what will you do to get it? And then we, we set up a program and I make sure I stay in the ear to make sure they accomplish every goal. And as an athlete myself, I could truly relate to that as going through the film sessions, you could find yourself sitting there for a long time, staring at a screen in no man's land, completely zoning out. But when you have a, when you have a voice in the ear like that and you're getting all the insight and questioning which really makes you think and become more engaged. It really means a lot to an athlete. So I'm sure that's the philosophy you use when you go through all those film sessions every day. 100%. That's the exact same philosophy I use. And it's been very productive. And a lot of the guys that I train are having career highs because I believe that uh, you can't do anything unless the mind actually believes it. And so I really, I really just preach and teach confidence. I really preach and teach focus and just staying in there until you figure it out. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned some rising stars earlier, guys like Colin Sexton, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, really big names in the NBA that are on the come up but need that help and inspiration from a guy like you to get through a tough, rocky road of their career, which we see a lot of young athletes in all sports struggle with going on. So is there any player that you've built a special relationship with that you want to talk about and then maybe give some insight on how they've changed from their entering of the league? into where they are right now as a player? Sure, hands down, Brandon Ingram. Um, that is, uh, he's literally my little brother. Um, and he refers to me as his big brother. He, when they last played, he took his game jersey off and he signed it for me and he put a nice note on there. And uh, he told me that he loves me. This is all on the jersey. I'll send you a picture of it. And um, <laughs> he's somebody who, you know, since his second year in the league, I've had the ability to have a pulse on. And he and I just clicked right away. And so, ironically enough, he's an all-star this year. And I think a lot of that is because his mindset is different and his mind frame is different. And he understands the logistics of the league now. But even a step further, he understands that the only one that can stop him is him. And once you get somebody to create that narrative, man, it's, it's unbelievable. We talk every day before every single game. He expects a scouting report from me. And we FaceTime before every single game. And he's very superstitious. So even if my schedule is crazy that day, I let him know what window I have and we get after it. And even before during the national anthem, he makes his way back to the locker room and he puts in one quick call and he goes out there so we can get his head right. But that's somebody who I spend the most time with and he doesn't even play for the Lakers. <laughs> yeah, and obviously he was a former Laker. And if anyone's wondering how he's made that big jump this season, especially after all the injury issues and the blood clots, I believe, that's correct, right? He had the yep. blood clot issue last yep. year. and the shoulder. And yep. a guy who came from a really skinny, long build. People rumored him as the next Kevin Durant. And he had a huge expectations coming into the league that he had to live up to. With a Lakers team with not much leadership around it from the players. I mean, obviously you're there now. But 
from a players and veterans standpoint, until LeBron got there, it was very slim. So BI definitely BI definitely struggled with that for his first few years. Same situation with D'Angelo Russell and, and from after the late Kobe Bryant left the Lakers. Not a lot of leadership. And, and same as Julius Randle, guys like that. And you can see with these young teams that veteran leadership is so important. And we'll kind of get into that in a bit. I want to just seek your mind on in the importance of veteran leadership, which you'll get into. But you saw with Ingram, his confidence is just on another level this year. And it really correlates to his amazing play. So it, that is extremely cool that you really have a hands-on influence with this game that's really just outside the X's and O's and more on the mental part, which as an athlete myself, again, I can relate to that. Mentality is just so crucial when it comes to sports today, especially with all the pressure and social media that comes with everything. Absolutely. It's paramount. And that's been our thing. You know, we, I call it inside out, you know, and uh, I have like a, a hashtag that I started with him. That's called HFF and that's humble focus faith. And then uh, I talked to him about that, the, the acronym, wow, W O W. And that stands for walk on water. And what that means is, is as long as you've got God with you and as long as your eyes are on the prize, you can walk on water. But as soon as you take your eyes off of the goal, as soon as you take your eyes off of why you're here in the first place, you'll find yourself thinking. You can do the impossible as long as you stay focused and as long as you believe that this is what you were created to do. Many people talk themselves out of things, but the really good ones I teach to talk themselves into things. And that's what makes them different. And for my question before, just how important is veteran leadership in an NBA locker room? And we know in basketball specifically, you have tight-knit families of teams. It's the least amount of players on a team in all of sports, and that is a family. So how important is it to ha- even to have that older veteran who might not be a huge impact on the court but off the court? And that, and that whole term, you know, locker room guy or team veteran is thrown around all the time. But can you kind of go into the significance of it, especially from a locker room and mental perspective? Sure. I think it's paramount to have locker room leadership. Uh, it probably carries more weight than most might understand. There's something that I, that I call counterproductive culture. And uh, counterproductive culture is when you're trying to build a culture of trust, you're trying to build a culture of confidence, you're trying to build a culture of family, but it's only verbal but the physical doesn't match what it is that you're saying, you know, family on three, one, two, three family. And then we all go our separate ways. That's counterproductive culture. So I I found it to be very, very, very valuable and important to uh, hold on to the leadership of guys who have not only just been there, done that, but guys who are going to be the voice and be the baseline. And uh, when you create leaders, you people begin to follow you. But when you continue to lead, people respect you and they continue to follow you. Mm-hmm. And as we've seen with this Lakers team this season, there are plenty of veteran leaders on that team, people with experience in the game, people with experience and pressure, and they're going to need that heavily down the stretch as they enter a crucial run in the NBA season as playoff time is slowly approaching. So speaking of the Lakers, and before we get into our main conversation right now, I just really want some insight on in the state of the Lakers team off the court because we all see what goes on on the court, as they're always on primetime and showtime. So I know you can't say way too much, but is there anything that fans should know about how the Lakers operate off the court, considering this, uh, specifically this team right now, as the mentality going into the playoffs is so crucial for this Lakers squad? 
Uh, you, you know, like you said, you can only say so much, but I can definitely say this. Uh, there is a very fine balance between what the fans see and then what the fans will never understand. And they'll never understand the sleepless nights from, you know, the, the nagging ankle injury that's throbbing throughout the night and you can only take so much medicine. They'll never understand the getting to the facility at 5 a.m. and at 7 a.m. just so their bodies can potentially cooperate. Um, and so when they sometimes lose sight of that balance and then things could go south at home and then they're expected to come to a stable center and perform at a high level every single night. Um, so I think that I have a newfound respect for players in the Lakers because I know what they have to deal with outside of stable center. And um, there's a lot of people who they can't even work at McDonald's and, and balance, you know, doing their homework at the same time or balance family stuff. But these guys are having to play on a world stage every day put on face they don't get the luxury of having an off day and so once i detected that man my my respect level for the guys in the organization went to an entire different level man i think the insight is is that how challenging and how honestly how depressing their job can be uh and there are some guys who not necessarily with the lakers but who are not happy with their job you know there's millionaires who are making millions who are not happy with the job so, you know, it's funny. We would say, but you're making millions in the stock market. Why are you unhappy? Well, that's like, you know, when you ask an athlete, well, you're making millions, man. I don't like this guy. He's, he's complaining about this and he doesn't want to do this. Well, there's a whole different layer to it that uh, forced me to really understand. Mm-hmm. And that's a common theme in sports. People never consider what goes on on the inside. It's always what they see first. It's always a firsthand reaction and keyword reaction right there. It's always you know, what we're seeing on Twitter and that one fake report we're seeing or that one overreaction, it's it's always that. And it gives such a misconception. And especially in such a high-stage atmosphere and culture, like the Los Angeles Lakers, one of the most prominent teams in the entire world in terms of brand and marketing, you can only mm-hmm. imagine how much pressure it puts on these players to go out there every night and perform on national TV night after night. It's a lot different than playing in Memphis or Detroit to play in at Staples Center on the nightly basis with the Lakers alongside guys like LeBron and AD. So definitely things that fans need to consider when everyone starts to go out and criticize players because that's the business that I'm in and everyone else is in. Our job is to go and criticize players, see what they're doing wrong, try to, you know, take away from what they're doing. And we really don't understand what goes on on the inside until we have someone explain to us that really experiences what all these players are going through. So now, oh, yeah, man. Just just imagine waking up and you having to uh, play your game with a 100-pound weight vest on. That's kind of what they deal with in life on top of basketball. Mm-hmm. It, it makes total sense. I couldn't agree more. So now we're moving on to the main reason why I reached out to you, which was the sure. tragic passing of Kobe Bryant just one month ago. It's amazing how quick that last month has gone. And I've always thought about it for the, every day for the past month. I think I've, I've had at least a few thoughts about Kobe in some way every single day for the past month. And it really just shows the impact that he had on not just basketball, but society as a whole. He is just such a celebrity and such a prominent figure in today's world internationally. And it's not just because he was internationally born. He is an international icon and inspiration for so many players. As we saw all these mm-hmm. interviews, we saw the ceremony at Staples Center the other day. Did you attend that or no? Were you not there for that? I did not. I did not attend that. I, I was offered to attend it, but the uh, I, I just lost my aunt. So I was dealing with a, a whole different layer of, of challenges on top of 
the public challenges. So I, I, I declined humbly. Mm-hmm. I'm really sorry to hear that. I appreciate that, man. So back to Kobe, we saw the impact he had worldwide, not just in the sports world, but everywhere else. But honing in on the Lakers, the death clearly had a massive impact on the team. And yeah. from the video that we saw, that viral video of them coming off the plane, and you see LeBron, you just complete utter shock. And we heard that story from Anthony Davis the other day where he woke up and Dwight Howard's phone went off and Dwight goes, yo, AD, look at this. Kobe just died. And Anthony Davis goes, Kobe, what Kobe are you talking about? Because he, he thought Kobe was immortal. Kobe could never die. And that, again, shows the impact that he has on everyone's lives. And we had the emotional service before playing the Portland Trailblazers the other night on national TV, the, t- the touching performance. And not even ha- most importantly, I'm all this, not even having the strength to play the Los Angeles Clippers days after the death of Kobe Bryant. And we all, again, all see from the outside. I had people like Stephen A. Smith coming out, and I made a post about this the other day, and he goes, well, with Mamba mentality, you know, they, these players should be going out there and playing for Kobe, and that's what Kobe would do. But if you really look on the inside, I want you to confirm this, if, you, if I'm right or wrong about this. These players are going through so much, and it's more than just Mamba mentality. This is bigger than that. Could, could you kind of elaborate on that? Sure. It's absolutely bigger than that. Basketball is the least of the, least of the conversation when, when, when a tragic situation like this happens. Um, I, I think that that day when we played Portland, uh, nobody was in the mood to run up and down the floor. Um, from the locker room, I was in the locker room for an hour and a half before the game started, and you can feel the emptiness in each guy where they say, we have to play this because life does go on, but it's difficult to play right now. And you could feel it. I mean, if you look, the memorial before the game the, to show reverence to Kobe would probably lasted about 40 minutes. Um, and then they gave them a three-minute warm-up after that. But you could just kind of imagine for that moment how – irrelevant the game was as much as they tried it just wasn't there for that day they were drained the week of they had to dodge media they had to avoid questions and so when you have to just walk around with that weight until you inevitably put him to rest it was just too heavy and uh, if you see since then they've really kind of taken on the mentality if you will and they've been kind of really running through some teams yeah and I was one of those people before the game who goes oh this is gonna be LeBron's game he's gonna he's gonna drop 60 tonight and then as I watched this memorial and, and him speak before the game and that, that, that touching speech that he had off the top of his head and I, I go there's no way this guy is ready to play tonight this is this is about Kobe this isn't about LeBron and him making an impact for himself this is again bigger than basketball and I took a step back and I said I was wrong this should be something that LeBron needs to I mean which he did you saw that he really didn't look I mean you saw firsthand on the court but he did not look right in that game. It looked like his mind was in a different place. And For sure. And he was really it, pressing. It, he was trying so hard and that it just, it just wasn't there. Yeah. I mean, again, you see, that, that, that video of him coming off the plane is just, I mean, it is so moving because he's just coming off. And this is, he talked to Kobe the morning of, after Kobe, uh, after he passed Kobe's record the night before which is one of the most amazing parts that needs more attention about this entire story. 
that Kobe was in the news that night before. And it was just an was unbelievable tough. sequence of events. But the strength that this Lakers team has, and it's much easier said than done to be like, oh, yeah, Lakers, Mamba mentality, what a great story. They can get through it. But the real impact is much bigger than everyone says, as you elaborate on right before. Yeah, it was uh, it was heavy in Los Angeles, man. You could feel like a gray cloud walking over the entire city. I've never, if death had a feeling, I think I know what it feels like. That's how, that's how close and discomfort just the atmosphere was and Los Angeles was at large, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy you mentioned that because that's another storyline that's being thrown around. This impacted the city. People that grew up hailing the Kobe Bryant just as much as the players. So, oh no doubt. How real? How real was that? It was extremely real. You got to understand, Kobe made Los Angeles relevant again after the Magic era, and uh, you know, it's he's on every bus. All the bus routes say "Rest in peace, Kobe." He's on mural on mural after every single you know corner you turn, and his legacy is very much still present. You can literally feel the emptiness of the entire city. You can be walking by a stranger and everybody's going to feel like something's not right. And uh, as a result of it, like it, it makes you, it, there's a little self-conscious even when I get on an airplane. It's like, dang, the thought of, of him falling out the sky is unbelievable. I think there's two ways that really good people don't deserve to die. One is alone and the other one is in fear. And so the city was kind of in fear because they felt like if Kobe can die, then I know. I can die. And that's kind of the energy that was kind of being put out there, I guess, that um, really made it unfortunate, man. It, it really was just a tough, tough, tough break. Yeah, it's unfathomable. And you heard the quote I said before from Anthony Davis. Wait, I, have you seen that video of him talking about that or no, the interview they did the other day? I did. I did. I did. So, I mean, that's amazing. He, If you watch the video, you see his expressions. He's like, Kobe, Kobe, what Kobe you're talking about? Because again, Kobe was larger than life for some of these guys. And I know you can account to this as a motivational speaker yourself. Kobe had such a major impact on the NBA players specifically, not just because he was an icon and a guy that these guys looked up to, but because Kobe made so many close personal relationships, just like how you do with the players, with all these current NBA stars and even lower level guys. That just wanted the advice from a guy like Kobe who is willing just to make the game better. Sure, man. You're spot on, bro. You're spot on. That's exactly what he did, and that's why his impact is so that's why it's so felt and it's so heartbreaking because he still had so much more to give. He he was just on paper, he was just, you know, the tip of the iceberg, if you ask me. Um, but since man knows not the time or the hour, it's paramount that we, you know, live each day like it'll be our last because eventually we will be right, no matter who you are. That's the one thing that we all have in common, whether you're rich or poor, wealthier on the street. We all were born to die. There's there's a transition day, but how you live determines your life because there's a lot of people who are running around with no purpose. You know, there's a lot of people in the grave with potential right now. So it's all about maximizing, you know, your gift and your moment and your time and the lives that you impact along the way. Mm-hmm. And you can t- definitely say that Kobe was an example of that, maximizing the time that he had in his life to make the most out of it. So in terms of your impact on the players after this tragic event, 
have any players outside the Lakers or in the Lakers organization personally reached out to you for help mourning with the death of Kobe Bryant? Oh, oh absolutely. Absolutely. Several. Um, and I, I, I like to, there's, there's a level of exclusivity, if you will, or a level of, uh, you know, from a mentorship standpoint of, um, you know, confidentiality. And, but there's been several, like almost to where it's over my head, where I had to really take a step back and go, well, I had a lot of people call me with a level of confusion that's like, I need your help right now. I need to get through this somehow. So, no, yeah, 100%, man. It was There were several guys. And these are players with relationships to Kobe or players that just are dealing with the thought of death and the, the fear of it? It's a mixture of both because if you are born after 85, Kobe was our first megastar um, that we were – you know, once you turn seven or eight years old, you can start to, to, I mean, I would say 10 years old, rather, you can start to understand. And Jordan was just finishing up and Kobe was just getting started. So Kobe was all we knew as far as superstar status. Uh, so even if you didn't like Kobe, you absolutely respected what he did. And uh, it, was, it was impactful because he created the competition of the game we, we, we came to love. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I had a radio show the day after Kobe's death and one thing I opened the show with was that in a way this was for my generation at least the first major athlete or celebrity death of someone that we grew up watching and even I can say myself I don't think our my age where we're in sophomores in high school right now really had the full opportunity to watch Kobe grow so no we I mean it's unfortunate that we didn't have that opportunity but, I mean, we to, to Kobe, to that generation of fans and, and becoming adults that watched him, and that's, that's our LeBron. That's going to be our Giannis. That's going to be our Doncic. That's a guy like that yep. with such a big impact on the game as a whole. So There's no doubt about it. Um, before we close... As a motivational speaker yourself, an amazing basketball mind from all aspects of the game, just like the late Kobe Bryant, what have, I mean, what have you learned from him in terms of the inspiration that he publicly provided to the entire world? Have you learned anything specific from him that you keep every single day of your life? 100%. That's when fear knocks on your door, you make sure you answer it. Um, a lot of people leave fear on the doorstep expecting it to disappear and it doesn't disappear, you have to put it away. And uh, Kobe Bryant lived his life fearless. There is an acronym for fear that stands for uh, false evidence appearing real. And that's all fear is. That's one thing that Kobe Bryant taught me is that fear is not real, fear is created in our minds. And he was so fearless that he didn't allow fear to make decisions for him. And so he was never a representation of himself on the basketball court. He was always the true Kobe Bryant and that's what what made him so so great that's what made him so paramount is that he did not allow for fear to take his place he always when it knocked on his door he always answered it and he conquered it because there's certain things in life that um you, you don't you don't fail in life in certain things you just have to keep taking the test until you pass it and Kobe was determined that I am not about to take this test again and again and again. I'm going to look it in the eyes even after several air balls in the playoffs, and I will be back, and I'm going to make it count. And that's the way I live my life because 
opportunities don't disappear. They go to other people. And that's something that I hold on to. And as a result of Kobe Bryant, I am Romel Witherspoon as a result of that. Mm-hmm. And we always say, uh, shoot your shot in life. And that's exactly what Kobe did. This guy was fearless. He was had no fear to go out and pursue a second career in the filmmaking industry after he retired. Had no fear to become a coach and really um, have a huge impact on youth girls sports and basketball specifically. And everyone always joked, oh, Kobe keeps trying for that, for that boy. He, he doesn't have that son yet. But that guy made the most out of his daughters and realized the opportunity he had to make such a big impact. And it's so unfortunate if you just focus on his daughter, uh, Gigi, that I just think it's, it's going to go down as one of the biggest what-ifs in sports history. That if she played in the w, WNBA, not only would she have been one of the greatest players of all time, but she would have revolutionized that sport and brought eyeballs to the TV. Because I know for a fact that if Gigi Bryant was playing in the WNBA, you best believe I'm tuning into that game. Just like how we tune into no, Zion every it. night to watch it. It's a league where you're not getting enough eyeballs. And she's a player that could have just transformed the entire thing with the brand and name that she has. And she, just like her father, would have been fearless and done the same thing. 100%, bro. 100%. You couldn't have said it any better. So, to close off the show, let's talk some hoops in terms of, you know, some X's and O's with the Lakers. So, your Lakers are 44-12 and 12 right now, five games atop the stacked Western Conference. In terms of their team right now, who or what is their most underrated X factor as they head into such a crucial stretch of the season? Um, believe it or not, even though he's not getting the minutes right now, whenever you say X factor, it's somebody who could be but just isn't right now, and that would be Quinn Cook because of his experience, because of his ability to shoot the ball. He's a higher gun, shoots with efficiency, not in the rotation now, but when it comes to playoffs, I think that an opportunity is going to present itself where it has to to come down to making or missing shots because you won't be able to double team LeBron. You won't be able to double team uh, AD. And so after a while, teams will start to play inside out and really force the Lakers to not beat them inside of 15 feet. And that's when you have to have people who are really good uh, catch and shoot guys. And I think that Quinn does that really well. I think KCP would be the next uh, X factor because I don't think he's scraped his fullest potential quite yet. Um, and he's had some, he's shown some really good flashes of, doing what he does and doing it really well. But there's still another level based on knowing him like I do that I believe he'll get to and in due season, uh, in due time. I think he's going to do exactly that. Yeah, and Quinn Cook experienced that Warriors culture of just winning and going out every night and making an impact on the game in any way possible. So when we always speak about experience and knowing what to do and how that really helps you develop as a player mentally, Quinn Cook is the guy that could really account to all those things and check all the boxes. So on to the next Absolutely. question. How, just how big is this rivalry with the Los Angeles Clippers, the crosstown opponent, as we could be set for an unbelievable playoff series against them if it comes to that? Yeah, well, you know what? I think the media has made it bigger than the players believe it is. Um, you know, a, a few B-writers believe that the Lakers are downplaying it, but um, they're actually really just caught up in what they do. And, if it's the the Clippers, they'll approach it the same. Um, and if it's, you know, the Trailblazers, they'll approach it the same. But it is starting to grow in the sense of we share Staples Center. 
Um, and so I've been in there where it's a double header and you got to rip down all the purple and gold and put up all the red, black and white. So there's an unspoken um, rivalry, I think. It hasn't been discussed. It hasn't been validated quite yet. But uh, I do think there's a little something there. And uh, I think the Lakers do have something to prove. Come playoff time, LeBron and Kawhi going at it. And this is a crucial playoff stretch for LeBron, considering this is a year without Kevin Durant and Steph Curry in the mix and Clay Thompson. And if we're talking about legacy builders, this is the opportunity to do it, especially with Anthony Anthony Davis playing at such a high level right now and such a great supporting cast. And it seems like this team has their heads in the right place. And I'm sure you are a huge influence for that yourself. So just a massive um, opportunity for the Lakers to take advantage of and bring one back to Staples Center. So final question, how far do you see the Lakers going in the postseason? I know you're going to be a little bit biased. But, well, you know what, man. As much as I as much as I would like to be biased, I'm more of a basketball fan than I am a Laker fan. Even though that's who cuts my checks, but I do think that um, I do think the Lakers will win the World Championship this year. Um, I think they have the perfect makeup that uh, is conducive around the league and around the Western Conference. Whatever happens is coming out of the West. Uh, I just I just don't think Milwaukee will have the the fortitude to get the stops that they need, but. I think they're starting to come into their own with this offense that they're running. And at the end of the day, um, it's going to come down to a superstar league and it's going to come down to, you know, who can get the highest percentage shots. And I just don't know a team that can do that on a more frequent basis than the Lakers, which is why they have the best overall record in the NBA right now. But I, I just foresee them figuring it out, you know. Um, and the only reason why I believe that is not because of their ability to score, but their ability to keep others from scoring. And that's where I kind of put all my money on, if, if you will, is on the defensive end. And, I mean, you mentioned Giannis. We've been talking about experience and mentality this entire episode. This is a guy who hasn't played in the finals yet. Everyone needs a rude awakening sometimes. So this could be the one for Giannis if he comes into I the finals so. against LeBron and the Lakers. And then you have I got Milwaukee the, um, coming out the East. As much as I love Tobias Harris, and that's another guy who I speak to on a regular basis in the 76ers, yeah, but – Long I, I think Milwaukee will come out the East. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, and you have the the Rockets rising up right now. Interesting coaching point right there. Small ball or extreme small ball, should I say? I think they won by twenty eight tonight against Memphis. I mean, that team is taking a real unorthodox approach to basketball right now and revolutionizing the game. I don't know your thoughts on it small really ball, is. but it looks like it's working right now for them. Truly, they're making they're making people have to guard them. It's getting weird for the league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, and I mean. It's baffling for all these fans and spectators and analysts and, and media guys, but they do their thing just like how the Lakers do their thing and just like how LeBron can change his game, becoming a pass-first guy this season and doing an unbelievable job. I mean, career-high in assists at, at, at this age. I mean, this guy is a another, in another world right now. So it will be interesting to see how the Lakers do down the stretch and how much of an impact Romelu Witherspoon will have on that Los Angeles Lakers team as they look to win yet another championship for Los Angeles. So thank you so much for taking the time. This was an unbelievable conversation. I hope all the listeners learned just as much as I did when talking to you. I'm so happy we got to catch up. Absolutely. It's my absolute pleasure, man. If you need me around playoff time, just say the word. I think there might be some stuff that I said that might either come back to get me or come back and hold true. Well, I mean, you have the best insight in all of this information of everyone. So hopefully it doesn't come back to get you. So best right. of luck as Absolutely. you continue as you continue an amazing journey and 
Just for my quick info, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube and podcast, Phenom Media. Check out our website, phenommedia.net, for daily sports articles, all sports, NBA, MLB, NFL, college hoops, college football, auto racing, everything you want. It's on Phenom Media. From our 70-plus youth contributors so far, just from December and going on. So we are continuing to build and doing such a great job adding people to the team and getting experience for the long run in the professional media world. So at Phenom Media, at Phenom.media on Instagram, Phenom MED on Twitter, and TikTok's rising right now. So Phenom Media on TikTok as we start the post on there. All links are going to be in the description. This was Phenom Media founder and editor Cole Nevins alongside Lakers chaplain and NBA Chief Inspirational Officer Romel Weatherspoon, a former coach of mine on the Phenom Media Podcast. Thank you again, and until next time, best of luck. Thank you so much, Cole. Appreciate you, man. Anytime.